We are looking tonight at, we start the way back now. We're talking about our noisy soul here. We're talking about the way back uh, as far as our noisy soul is concerned. We're right? turning things around and beginning to move ahead. And <clears throat> the, the key thought is we're finding that God is more than enough. God is more than enough. Now, there's several levels that we can kind of talk about that on. We can talk about that on the, on the level of, yes, it's a, it's a clinical fact out there somewhere. We believe, that God, we believe that God is more than enough, but we certainly don't feel it. <clears throat> but, we, you, you know, when, when it comes down to God being more than enough, though, we need to come to the place where we're actually dealing with the reality of it in our lives. Now, we don't live by feelings, right? We live by truth, and we live by thinking, but, you know, truth and thinking produce feelings. And there should be, in the end, a feeling. There should be a feeling of safety. Right? <clears throat> what does it mean to have peace? How would you describe peace in your life? Sorry? At ease, all right? You're not worried. You're not concerned. You're, you, you feel safe. Lack of fear. Nothing to fear. I feel safe. I have peace. I'm okay. Right? Now, <clears throat> as believers, as his children, we're supposed to have peace all the time. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. There's supposed to be peace in our hearts all the time. But oftentimes there's not. And that's where our noisy soul comes into, into play here. What happens is there's so much going on inside us and there's no peace and there's fear and there's this problem and there's that problem and we're facing this difficulty and that difficulty and so on. And we're churned up with all these things and there's no peace. Our souls are anything but quiet. They're noisy. And in order for us to have peace, in the world we would have to be sure that all the circumstances were okay, wouldn't you? You would have to remove all the fears. But humanly speaking, you can't remove all the fears because, you know, you could die tonight. You, know, um, you could be in an accident. Uh, there could be a financial upset. You could get robbed. There's all kinds of things that, 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 that would steal your peace, humanly speaking, tonight. So you, you can't have peace in terms of being okay in, uh, on the world's terms. Your peace has to come from God. Your peace has to come from knowing you're safe in his hands, today, all day, every day. You're safe in his hands. Now, your peace has to include the possibility that tough things are going to happen, because they will. So your peace can't be, you know, this kind of a false peace, well, I'm trusting God that no bad things will happen to me. Because what happens then? What happens when something bad happens to you? Fine. God failed. So it can't be, we can't be trusting that, you know, uh, nothing bad is going to happen. We have to be trusting Him. But there is peace available. Now, <clears throat> what we're looking at tonight is contentment, finding that God is more than enough. Look at Philippians chapter 4 there. It's on top of your sheet. I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, this is the Apostle Paul talking about. Right now, <clears throat> in whatsoever state I am, what did that mean to the Apostle Paul? Well, right now, as, at the writing of this, it means prison. He's in prison. 
Now, he's not in Mount Joy getting three square meals a day and getting out in the exercise yard and getting to go to the gym and all the rest of it. He's not in that. He's in uh, prison. Uh, <clears throat> and um, if somebody doesn't bring him food, he doesn't get any. It's dark. It's miserable. It's horrible. It's intended to be so. And there's no care for the prisoners, whatever. Right? <laughs> so he's in prison. So whatsoever state I am in has to include that. Now, also, if we look at the Apostle Paul's life, we look at Paul. Paul was beaten many times for preaching the gospel. Well, whatsoever state I am would have to include that. He was left for dead. He would have to include that. He was shipwrecked. It would have to include that. So <clears throat> what we're talking about, this contentment that Paul is talking about, is not just the run of the mill. Everything's going fine, therefore I'm fine, I'm happy. It's much deeper than that. So we've got to wrap our heads around that. And we're going to look, one writer said this, you haven't fully become a Christian until you've learned contentment. Now, that's, you know, people throw out these statements and you feel, what are they saying? But, he, but here's the reality. I mean, to be Christian is to be trusting, depending upon God. He's got it in hand. And if he's got it in hand, I can be content. I can be happy that he has it in hand. And, and that's what we're looking at. All right, this is a word of prayer, and then we'll begin to <clears throat> go through our passage. Father in heaven, would you help us tonight, Lord? Uh, Lord, we're looking at things that are deep and that are rich and that are real. And, Lord, we're looking at, at things, Lord, that thrill our souls with the prospect. And yet, Lord, so often the noise in our souls just drowns out uh, any thought of contentment. Help us, Lord, I pray. Bless us now as we look to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, look at 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. is there in your sheet for you. The, the, the verse is not about the... Okay, verse 5 says this, Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Now, <clears throat> anybody out there today teaching that gain is godliness? Are there? Prosperity gospel teaches that gain is godliness. A lot of people teaching it. If you're godly, you'll have lots of money, your life will be happy, everything will go right, everything will go fine. Listen, they were around in Paul's day too. And what Paul is saying, listen, people, <clears throat> there are people of uh, perverse disputings, men of corrupt minds and destitute of the tr truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Now, what did he say? He said, stop listening to them. He said, change channels. He said, don't be looking up that stuff on the computer. It might, might, might give you feel-good factor. You know what I mean? When they're telling you, listen, everything's going to work out, and listen, you'll be fine. Oh, listen, money's going to come to you, and, uh, you just do the right thing and all the rest of it, and you send money to us particularly, and that really will help. And, um, you know, everything's going to go fine for you. That's not true. That's not the message of the Bible. By the way, when you find somebody teaching something that's at odds with what the Scripture says, they are wrong. You say, but I don't know as much as they do. Listen, if you know what the Scripture says, they're wrong. You don't have to know as much as they do. They are wrong. Right? <clears throat> you know, and that, that's why you need to know your Scripture, because it will help you so much when it comes to all the false teaching that's out there. 
Christianity is not about you being prosperous and getting lots of money and all the rest of it. It's nowhere in it. Nowhere. You, You find a scripture, find a passage where Paul is teaching that or somebody else is teaching that, you won't find them. That's not what it's talking about. And even the passages they use, they're twisted. That's that's not what the Bible is talking about. And the problem with it is, you give all your money to the cause. And you know what happens? God's going to double your money. God's going to quadruple your money. God's going to, listen, you're going to have so much money, you won't know what to do with it. And you give all your money and you're broke. So who failed? God failed. So these poor people are, are sold a bill of goods, and they end up thinking God's failed, and, 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 and oftentimes their faith crashes, their faith becomes shipwrecked. Now you'd say, well, that's terrible, those, those, those crooks that, that led them into it. Well, yeah, that is terrible, but you know what? Shame on them for not knowing the Scripture better. When you lie on your bed at night and think about what the Scripture says, you ought to be able to think it through and say, hang on, ha- ha- hang on a minute. That's not true. That's just not true, because that, that's not what the broad drift of the Bible says. I constantly have to check my thinking, you know, against what the Scripture says. Because the Scripture, listen, it's got a different tack on things than man has. And even today, even in our enlightened age, you know, so many of the thoughts that, 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 that even are put out there in books from Christian sources, you've got to say, hold on a minute, that's not what the Bible is saying. Right? Now, what Paul is saying is that this thought that gain is godliness, that people who are, that if you're, if, if you're godly, you're going to have lots of money. Right? He said, that, that's wrong. He says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, he turns all the words around here for us. He says, you know, gain is not godliness, but godliness with contentment is great gain. There's no mention of money there at all. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So here's, here's, what, here's what you're looking at. If you can have contentment and a godly walk, you have it made. Doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter what car you drive. Doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. You've got it made. Godliness with contentment. So here's the thing. We need to pursue this thing called contentment. We need to be content. Now listen, we live in an age that conspires to make us discontent. Right? Do the ads help you to be content in any way? The ads on your TV. Are they intended to make you feel content? They're intended to make you feel discontent. They are intended to make you covet. I mean, if, if, if the ad maker gets a really good ad together, it's going to make a lot of people covet what he's selling. You know, so that's just, that's the, the, the whole purpose of it. That's the whole, that's, in fact, that's the way the economy runs in the Western world. It runs on the basis of coveting. Most of the stuff they're trying to get you to buy, you don't need. They just want you, so what it's doing is it's militating against your, your, your contentment. Okay, now, uh, relationships are, are not what they should be. I can't be content because of relationships. I can't be content because I don't have money. I can't be content because I have bills. I can't be content because. And what we've got, we live in an age that, that, that wars against our being content. 
But if we're going to have great gain, we need to learn to be content. And by the way, isn't it interesting that Paul said, I have learned? I like that. He didn't just know it. You know, didn't he, he wasn't just zapped with great contentment. He learned it. Now, how do you learn? Well, you take on facts. And you test them. And you try them. And you think them through. And then, and then you trust them. And you learn. So you may come tonight and you say, oh, pastor, I wish you would stop talking about this thing because I know God's more than enough. But you know what? In my life, the reality is I feel anything like God is more than enough. Well, look, you can learn. I don't know that you'll get it all tonight. I wish I could get it all for you tonight. But you can learn. You can learn that God is enough. You know, the Holy Spirit's a great teacher. And he's able to bring the stuff into your life to help you to learn. Paul, learn. You can learn. But understand this. What you're, what you're trying to learn is you're trying to learn to be content. Right? The, things that, the things that, you know, <clears throat> um, spoil your contentment are enemies. And there's lots of them out there. All right, look at your sheet here. True wealth in God's scheme of life is, is a godliness that is mature enough to produce contentment. A godliness that is mature enough to produce contentment. Uh, um, Thomas Watson said this. He said, The doctrine of contentment is a very superlative. That means it's above all others. Until we have learned this, we have not learned to be Christian. Now think about it, right? I know that's wild. Sometimes you look at a statement and say, that's wild. In this day and age, if you knew my problems and my needs and my burdens and so on, how could I be content? And are you saying, I really am not a Christian? No, not saying you're not going to heaven. I don't think he's saying that either. But, but here's, here's what we're saying. If we trusted God with our souls, that he's going to take us to heaven, that he's overcome, overcome the enemy of death and that he's going to take us to heaven on one day, we're going to stand with him in glory. We've trusted him. Now, doesn't it make sense that we would trust him with everything else along the way too? And really, if we could trust him with everything else along the way, then we'd be content. All right? And then we'd be living in our hearts the reality of our Christianity. Is that the truth? Come on, th- think with me. Don't just, don't, don't just let it flow over you. you know what I mean? Don't just wait for somebody. We wait for somebody to give it a bite-sized chunk so that we... Uh, we get, but listen, you'll get so much more. You actually think it through for yourself and, guess, and you know, kind of come to that place where you say, okay, that's true. I believe that. Sometimes I wonder, if I was to teach heresy up here one night, just purposefully teach heresy, right? I wonder how many of you catch it. <laughs> you need to think it through with me. You know, actually think it through. Think, you, know, um, you know, wouldn't it be true that if you actually trusted God with everything, that would mean everything in your life today was from him. And because it was from him and he was taking care of you, it was okay. Now, you may not be there. Now, you may not be in the place where you kind of, you, you know, you've embraced that. But what I want you to do is, I want you to kind of agree with the truth of it. Wouldn't that be the place to be? So that no matter what comes at you, no matter how difficult the circumstances, no matter if your worst nightmare occurs, you know, that if he's there and he's allowing it, it will be okay. 
That's, that, 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 that's kind of hard to go to. But Paul's not writing from, you know, from, from Hope So Land. You know, he's not giving you some lesson he picked up on the internet. You know, what Paul is doing here is he's talking about something he's been there. I've been beaten. I've been, I've, I, 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 I've been lashed 39 times. I've been thrown into the deep. I've been stoned. They left me for dead. Listen, I've, I've suffered all kinds of things. It's true. This is, this is the truth. This is real. You, this kind of contentment is real. <clears throat> Look at C there. As humility is the root of all the graces, so contentment is the aroma of the collective fruit of, the, of, the, of graces. So <clears throat> think about this. right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith, the fruit of the Spirit. If you were to mix them all together, right, they would produce for you contentment. You'd be content. You'd just be content. You you, you would be able to relax and be content with your life. And he said, but pastor, I am not content. I have so many things in my life that I want to change. What are you asking me here? Are you asking me to just kind of switch off my brain and just uh, come to the place where everything's okay, even if it's not? No, I'm asking you to step out of the human thinking and into spiritual thinking and let God do the work that brings contentment. Let God do that work that actually brings contentment to you. <clears throat> let me give you an example. Um, <clears throat> Well, look up, we look at Paul's testament. I'll give you an example from Paul's life, right? Look at Philippians 4, 10 through 23. Philippians 4, verse 10. <clears throat> but I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. All right? So <clears throat> the, the, the Philippian church had... Um, you know, they, they, they cared about Paul, but they, they, they finally were able, the circumstances didn't allow, but they were able to send him some things uh, to help him and take care of him, right? Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, right? So they had sent these things to him, and he was, he was very happy to receive the things we're going to see as we read on. But what he's saying to them is now, look, I'm not looking for anything from you. Because I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, catch the thought here. First of all, he, wasn't, he was okay as he was. But he was glad to receive blessing. Now, when we're content, it doesn't mean that what we're doing is we're <clears throat> subscribing to this is all I have and this is all I ever, I'll ever have and this is me and you know, there's no more coming to me. No, no, no. It doesn't mean that at all. But what it means is, listen, I'm happy with what God has given me now, and I know he may give me more in the future. When we're discontent, here's how we feel. Okay, 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 all right. Lord, I'm going to take what you're giving me right now, but you know I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and when I get those things, then I'll be happy. Now, the reality is, when we get those things, it doesn't make us happy. When you get the problem sorted out, you know, always when we're, when, we're in, when we're facing something we need, when we're coveting something, we think if we only had that, every, all the rest of our problems would be sorted out. 
Right? You know, when, when they dangle the new car in front of you and they, they, they want you to come and test the new car out and buy the new car, and it's only, it only costs, you know, 250 euros a month. That's all for 25 years. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They, they, they want you to buy this car and they want you to smell the leather and they want you to drive it and they want you to sit into it and feel what it looks like. And they want you to picture yourself driving this car. And they want you to feel... If I had this car, everything would be okay. I would be content. Right? Isn't that it? Same thing with the house. Same thing with any number of things. If I had this, then I could be content. Then I, then I would be content. Then I would be happy. If I had this relationship in order, then I would be happy. If I had my health, then, then I would be happy. And we're, 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 we're waiting for something to happen, and then we can be happy. Now, and here's what Paul is saying, is, listen, I'm so glad you sent it to me. It's such a blessing to me, but I was contented anyway. So understand this, that being contented does not mean that God can't bless you. That, that, that's not, it's not you saying, well, this is all I'm ever going to have. No, no, no. Being contented is you being in the place where you recognize, what I have is okay right now. I'd like more. Lord, I would like more. But Lord, what I have is okay right now. <clears throat> um, I know both how, both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. All right? So let's catch that there. <clears throat> I know how to be abased. What does it mean to be abased? Down. Have nothing. I know what it's like to have nothing. I know, I, I, I know what it's like to have nothing. Right? I understand what it's like to, to have nothing. And, and I know how to abound. What does it mean to abound? Yeah, I've got lots. Right? Now, um, there, were, there were times when Paul had nothing, and there were pa- times when Paul was in Rome and he lived in his own hired house. He rented a house for himself. He was kept in prison in his own hired house. There were times when he had nothing, and there were times when he had a lot. Now, what goes on in our minds here? What goes on in our minds is, you know what, I need to even this whole thing out. I need to get it all sorted out. And there's, 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 there's wisdom in that. But what Paul was doing is Paul was living in a place where God's taking care of me. I'm okay. Whatever happens, I'll be okay. You see, Paul is not concerned about the circumstances. It's okay. Now, look at the next part of that. He says, everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. How was he instructed? How did he get his orders? How did God say, Paul, I want you to be a base now? Paul, I want you to <clears throat> abound now. Circumstances. You know, when he had money in the bank, he abounded. No, when he didn't have money in the bank, he was abased. But here's the thing, and catch this and understand this. It wasn't like Paul was really living when he had money in the bank. And when he, was, when, he was, when, he was, when he had no money in the bank and he was abased, he was waiting on the check to come in. That's the way we live. No, he was saying, it doesn't matter. It's not that important. It doesn't affect me. I'm content and either way, I'm happy either way. That's not, that doesn't dictate my life. That doesn't dictate my peace. That doesn't dictate where I am at all. I'm contented either way. <clears throat> Um, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, now you've got to catch that, that, that verse there. Right? 
Now, that does not mean you can walk through a brick wall. I've seen people say crazy things about this verse. That does not mean that you can walk through a brick wall, right? That does not mean that you can fly an airplane. Please don't sit at the controls of an airplane and think you can fly an airplane because <coughs> uh, of Philippians 4.13. What that means is in the context. Remember, every verse in the Bible it has a context. What that means in its context is I am able to be abased and I'm able to abound through Christ which strengtheneth me. The difference for Paul is Christ which strengtheneth him. The difference, what makes Paul content is I have Christ. And if I have Christ and he is more than enough, then I'm okay. If I have a lot, that's fine. If I haven't got a lot, that's fine. But that's not what dictates my life. What dictates my life is Christ which strengtheneth me. It's this relationship with him that strengthens me. It's not my relationships going well or going poorly that dictates my life. No, no, no. It's Christ which strengtheneth me. He's, he's what actually makes my life work. He's what's enough. I, you know, the finding that God is more than enough. That's what we're, we're We're not looking at, you know, how to live in a basement. You know, some Christians make a virtue out of a basement, out of living really bad, really tough, really hard lives. And they, they make it a virtue. No, 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 no. That, that, that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about understanding that God is more than enough. Therefore, I'm fine. When I have good times, when times are good, and when times are bad, I'm fine. Because God's able to take care of me. He's more than enough. He's able to look after me. I will always be fine because God is able to look after me. God is able to take care of me. Um, <clears throat> keep going. We're going to go to the end of, the, uh, end of this um, <clears throat> chapter here. Uh, notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, he's, he's not saying, it didn't matter to me, you know, I mean, listen, guys, you know, you sent me all those things, and they were fine. But, you know, I didn't want them, but they really don't make me happy. You know, if I, had them, if I have them good, if I don't have them, it doesn't matter. He's very grateful for them. You, you see, catch the thought. The thought here is not life doesn't matter, nothing matters. The thought is Christ matters more than anything else. And he's sufficient to make up the difference. He's sufficient to take care of me. He's sufficient. <clears throat> Notwithstanding, you have well done in that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also, when in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only, you were the only ones that did. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. See, Paul's heart for, for in their giving was not that he wanted a gift. His heart was, I want, I want fruit that will abound to your account. I want you to be blessed. Remember, the Lord Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. <laughs> and, and it is. That's where the blessing is, right? Um, verse 18 but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which are sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, let me ask you. Do we believe verse 19? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do we? Okay. Now, here's the acid test for you. Is he? 
Is he supplying all your need today? Connor. This is a, <clears throat> talking about the idea of, a, of it being pleasing to God. But, but let, let's not go off the question here. Right? Big question here, right? <clears throat> um, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is he? Are your needs being met today? Is that the reality of it, though, for you? Now, are you thinking, you know what? Uh, it says shall in there. Someday. I've been hanging out for the last 20 years. Someday he's going to supply all my needs. But it's not now. And until then, I'm praying and hanging on. You see, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. <clears throat> we, we tend to do several things, right? We live in the past. What happened to the past? You know, I was hurt in the past and, and I lived back there in the past. Or I live in the future when everything's going to be fine. And all, everything's going to work out, you know, and, you know, the relationships are going to be fine, the money's going to be fine, and the house is going to be fine, and the car's going to be fine, and the job's going to be fine, and everything's going to be fine in the future, and I'm going to be okay then. Now, listen, some of us are old enough to realize that never happens. So what we do is we live in a false future. We're not living in now. <laughs> What's Paul saying? He's saying <clears throat> that... Go back up the page there. I know how to abound, and I know how to be abased. I'm instructed to be content wherever, whatever, wherever I am. I'm happy wherever I am. God takes care of my need now wherever I am. And he rejoices in that. You see, <clears throat> until you can be content now, there's nothing that would ever make you content. More won't do it. Now, look, it's true. I can look at my life and I say, Lord, you know, I really, would, I really would like if I had this. And Lord, you know, it really would be a blessing if I had this. And I can look at those things and still be content with where I'm at. But being content is the key issue here. Um, <clears throat> now, <clears throat> let's finish off the, the chapter here. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. Chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> now, now what's Paul's testimony in this case? Fascinating thing here. Who's he writing to the Philippians? Where did the Philippian church start? Fine. Yeah, but where, you know, what was the beginning of the Philippian church? Fine. But what's the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the beginning? Where does it happen? Look at Acts chapter 16. Ah, come on, guys. Look at Acts chapter 16. Okay, Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> Verse 23. And when they laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them. 
who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. They're in Philippi. This is the Philippian jailer, right? And, um, <clears throat> who, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's hands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, and seeing the prisoners... Uh, prison doors open. He drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And they took, uh, and he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and his family, straight away. And what we have is we have the Philippian church here. These are the people Paul's writing to. So the genesis, the beginning, the start of this church, right, is Paul and Silas being cast into prison. And what do they do when they're cast into prison? For doing good. They're doing nothing but good. They're preaching the gospel. They're doing nothing but good. They're cast into prison. They go into prison and they say, man, this is distinct, isn't it? You try and do, the, you try and do your best for people. What do they do? <laughs> Fun? <laughs> yeah, they start singing. They start now. Why do they start singing? Hang on a minute. Sore backs, feet in stocks, in prison, deprived of their freedom, deprived of their ability to preach the gospel. What are they singing about? What would you be doing if you were in that prison? Looking for a new job, wouldn't you? This one sucks. You know, there's no money, and I'll tell you what, even, 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 even at that, I mean, they, they treat you horribly. You'd be looking for a new job. But Paul is not, you see, what we're talking about here, this contentment thing, is real for Paul. And so these people he's writing to, the Philippian jail is probably still in the... Still in the church. And he's saying, you know what? He's not waffling. That's the truth. He really believes that. Let me tell you the story. Because it's real. You see, Paul has learned to be content in whatsoever state he's in. Now, in our nice, comfortable 21st century mindset, we want to be content when everything is going, not perfectly like we'd like it to be. No, 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 we don't want that. But everything is going along nice and evenly and nice and happy. No, 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 no. Contentment is completely dissociated from the circumstances of your life. It can't be tied to the circumstances of your life. Your contentment is in him. He's got to be enough. Now, it's not he will do enough to make me content. It's he is enough to make me content. It's him. It's found in him. It's in that relationship with him. Okay, let's, let's define it a little bit here, right? <clears throat> the definition of contentment. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which really submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. Let me ask you, why was Paul in a Philippian jail with his back sore from being lashed? Was he in a Philippian jail because of an angry mob? 
I'm very hard to be happy with that. Was he in, in a Philippian jail because of just, you know, narky Roman soldiers? What, was he in a Philippian jail because of a terrified jailer? Or was he in a Philippian jail on God's appointment? That's a hard one to bite the bullet on, isn't it? Now, but here's the thing. If it was just circumstances, people, at the mercy of people, he was a victim. And if you're a victim, you feel awful about the situation. Because they have control and you don't. They're in charge of you, but you don't want them to be. But if God is in charge and God is in control, then it's a whole different thing altogether. And you can be contented in him. You can rest in him in it. You can say, no, hang on a minute. My father has me here, and he has me here for, for a good reason. He's enough. It's okay. Now, look, <clears throat> don't listen. If you're not there tonight, don't walk away and say, oh, that's ridiculous. Right? If you're not there to understand, that's where you're going. That's, that's, where the rea- that's where the reality of Christianity is taking you. That's where the Holy Spirit wants to take you to. You know, understand, and you know, you won't be able to get there by yourself. But the Spirit of God is able to take you there. He's able to bring you to that place. He's able to do it. And now, we have to understand, it's probably going to take some hard things to bring us there. Let's not not think it's going to happen just nice, easy things. It's probably going to take some hard things to bring us there. But that's okay. If he's with us and he brings us, we'll be fine. We'll be okay. Uh, <clears throat> B, simply, simply put, contentment means I am satisfied with things as they are because God is more than enough for me. God is more than enough for me. You see, <clears throat> much of modern Christianity really is like this. It's, it's, it, it's like God has added on to the rest of the stuff in my life. You know, and he's real important. You know, again, he's, he's the thing that makes it all work, but he's, it's, it's God and the rest of the stuff in my life that make it work. You know, I, you know I, have to have all, I have to have all these things, and I'm so glad I have God as well. And I'm going to heaven. But Christianity, as the Bible <clears throat> gives it to us, is that God himself is enough. All on his own. Now, it's true. Not many people get to live that reality. But you know, the more you live it, the more of this contentment, you know. Chimberg says that if you were to take joy and peace and mix them together in a blender, what would come out of them would be contentment. And isn't that what we all want? Joy and peace. Isn't that what we all want in our lives? You know, so what God is talking about here is <clears throat> having us in a place where we're satisfied in him. That's the opposite of unbelief. He's enough. Unbelief says he's not enough. He's not enough, and I need this to make me happy. And he's not giving me that, so I'm going to make sure it happens. He's not enough. And, and, and that's, that's what cripples us. No, he's enough. 
right now, today, today, this hour, this moment in your life, he's enough. Now, you may be honest with yourself and say, well, I don't feel it, Pastor. And that's, that, listen, there's no harm in honesty. Honesty is good. Facing yourself is good. I don't feel that. But I know it's true. And you say, Lord, help me to feel it. Help that to be the reality of my life. And what God's going to do is God's going to, God's going to teach you. God, you're going to learn. God's going to have you learn how to be content. Right? <clears throat> the distinction of Christian contentment. It's not a passive resignation. You don't talk yourself into this frame of mind by human logic. I am content. I am content. I will be happy with what I have today. Uh, you know, you, you know the, 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 the latest deal is you stick it up in the mirror, whatever you want, whatever you want to get in your head. You stick it up in your head. You are more than enough. I am not more than enough, and I will never be enough, but God is. <clears throat> but <clears throat> and you, put, you put it up in your mirror. And, um, <clears throat> but it's not a passive, passive res- resignation. It's not... <clears throat> um, you know, the, the, this idea of, well, I haven't got what I need, but I'm a Christian, I'm going to suck it up and pretend I'm happy anyway. No, that's, not, that's not what you're talking about. You're not talking about you sucking it up and pretending you're happy anyway. You ever have somebody pretend they're happy when they weren't? You see through it, can't you? <laughs> Listen, uh, it's not, better be honest. Better be honest, be honest with God about where your heart is, right? <clears throat> <clears throat> you submit yourself into it by affirming divine truth, okay? Here's, here's what you do. God is more than enough. That's what the Bible says. He was enough for the children of Israel. He's been enough for all the saints since then. He was enough for the apostles. He was enough for Paul. He's been enough for every believer since then. He's enough for me today. I know that's true. And because I know that's true, Lord, I'm going to submit myself to you in it, Lord, and I'm going, I'm going to act as though you're enough. That's faith. And I'm going to find you to be enough. Right? I'm going to find you to be enough. I'm going to find you to take care of me. Um, it's not a passive personality. You know, some people are just, um, you know, they don't care. You, know, you meet some people, it doesn't matter what happens. You know, the house burned down. Oh, well, it's only a house. You know, <clears throat> you know and, and the dog got run over on the road. Oh, well, we'll get another one. Uh, you know, the, 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 there are people that are passive like that, right? Just passive. Nothing seems to, nothing. It's not being a passive personality. By the way, uh, when you're content, there is one thing that will rile you. Sin will rile you. Sin will rile you. Jesus was perfectly content. But man, when he went into that temple that day and they were all buying and selling and making his father's house a house of merchandise, I'm telling you what, uh, <clears throat> he scorched them. Overturned tables and everything. See, he, he, here's the deal. If you can be content when there's sin all around you and people are doing wrong and you know what? That's not right. Something wrong there. That, that's, that's, that, that's a personality thing. That's not, that's not real contentment. Because if God is more than enough, the things that affect him affect me. Right? <clears throat> um, he is not a contented man who is upon occasion, who is so upon occasion and perhaps when he is pleased, but who is so constantly when it is the habit and complexion of his soul. So what does it mean? Not just, you know, yeah, well, yesterday. I remember yesterday, you know, everything was going well. sunny day, you know, and my lunch was just perfect. And my wife was nice to me. And, you know, the kids all did it, but they were told. I was contented for 10 minutes. (laughs) That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a contentment all the time. It's okay, fine. 
Now, I suppose that the reality of life is that you're going to find, even the contented person is going to get in the flesh from time to time, they're going to find themselves discontented with the flesh. But the habit, the complexion of their souls and their life is they're contented. They're contented. It's enough. I've got enough. God's given me enough. <clears throat> Contentment doth not appear only now and then as some stars which are seen but seldom. It is a settled temper of the heart. It's a settled temper of the heart. It's the way of life for the person. Right? The doctrine, doctrinal foundation of Christian contentment. The doctrine, God is more than enough the sufficiency of God. It is inconceivable to a thoughtful and surrendered Christian that he should ever lack anything for his present happiness. Ooh. We have to, we have to think about that for a moment, don't we? It is inconceivable to a thoughtful and surrendered Christian that he should ever lack anything for his present happiness. Who can quote for me Psalm 23, 1? The Lord is my shepherd, I what? Okay, hang on a minute. Do you want? <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right, let me read it to you again. It is inconceivable to a thoughtful and surrendered Christian that he should ever lack anything for his present happiness. Now, hang on a minute. If the promise is that I will not want, and my experience is that I do want, what's wrong? Is the promise, do, 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 we, do we go to Psalm 21, uh, 23, and we cross out verse 1? Right? <clears throat> because we've proven it not to be true. Or do we go to our experience and we say, something wrong with my experience here. I want, and the Bible says I won't want. There's something wrong with my experience. Now, I can't say, well, okay, therefore I don't want, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it. That's, that's not, not going to work for us. But there's something wrong. <clears throat> the, the Scripture is promising me something and my reality is something else. Now, I've got to reconcile the two. Because they're meant to be reconciled. I'm not going to change Scripture to reconcile them. I've got to change my experience to reconcile them. I've got to come to the place where I recognize, hang on a minute. <clears throat> um, now, hold, hold on a minute. He says, I won't want. Now, why won't you want, according to Psalm 23? Because what? Because the Lord is your shepherd. Now, what does it mean for the Lord to be your shepherd? Okay, good. Well, what, what does a shepherd do for the sheep? Okay. Primarily, I suppose, we would say that he feeds them. Feeds them and waters them. I mean, it's much more than that, obviously, but <clears throat> primarily he feeds them and he waters them, right? <clears throat> now, do the sheep get together and um, decide where they want to be fed that day and tell the shepherd where they want to be fed? And that's silly, isn't it? <laughs> well, of course they don't, right? Uh, do, do the sheep get together and tell the shepherd what kind of grass they'd like today? No, they don't, right? What happens is the shepherd leads the sheep and the sheep eat the grass the shepherd provides for them. Right? Now, here's the thing. And this is, this is even... 
more evident in an eastern shepherd because an eastern shepherd leads his sheep. All the stories you hear in the Bible, you know, he calls a sheep and a sheep knows his name and they follow him. We're used to shepherds, you know, where the shepherd goes into the field and he sends the dog up around and the dog nips the heels of the sheep and he gets the dog, the dog runs the sheep. But that's not what happens in the east. In the east, the shepherd leads. They know, you know, they, you'll have all the, all the sheep gathered together, everybody's sheep are gathered together and the, and, and the shepherd will come up and he'll give his call and um, his sheep, hey, there's our shepherd. He takes care of us. He looks after us. And they follow him. And he, he takes care of them. He meets their need. You see, the problem for us is, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want, is <clears throat> that we don't fully subscribe to the idea of he's my shepherd. Where he leads, I'll follow. And he'll take care of me. You see, Paul did. Paul said, I am instructed both to be abased and I am instructed to abound. The shepherd leads me sometimes into sparse places, but that's okay because he's the shepherd. He knows what he's doing. And sometimes he leads me into abundance, and that's okay because he knows what he's doing. And he knows how to take care of me, and he knows how to meet my need, and I'm fine in the shepherd's hand. And I don't have to go and find my own water and find my own feet because the shepherd takes care of me. The sheep would never dream of doing that. I mean, why would he? But we do, don't we? We say, well, you know, the grass that shepherd finds for us, it's not enough. It's not green enough, it's not tasty enough, it's not lush enough, you'd starve on that. You know, <clears throat> there's other grass we need. We're, we're just going to go and find our own grass. We don't have to follow any shepherd. We're going to go and find our own grass. And that's what we do. And we hurt ourselves. Because he knows what's best. He takes care of us. He looks after us. And when we follow him, listen, he leads us into exactly the right place. He, he knows exactly what we need, and he leads us. All right, turn over your next page there, right? Discontent means we have abandoned a biblical view of God's absolute sufficiency. When we're discontent, what we're saying is, you know, God, you didn't get it right here. You're really not enough in this circumstance. I don't know what's wrong with you, God. I wish you'd ever shape up. You know, it's kind of hard to follow a God who's not enough. Now, we don't verbalize those things, but that's what we're thinking. We're going to find something else that's going to make it happen for us because he's not enough. Our God is not enough. Discontent means we have a... Or sorry, uh, E, as we saw in the way down, discontent is rooted in unbelief. God has not done enough for me. God himself is not enough for me. I need something more. I need something more to make me happy. I need something more to make it work. This is not enough. The enemy of contentment. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 5. Right? I want to finish this um, rather than come back to it. So look at Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Right? Now let's, let's, let's tie this verse together because sometimes we kind of miss it, by the way. <clears throat> um, 
let your lifestyle, your conversation be without covetousness. What is, what is it to be covetous? I want more. I need more to be satisfied. Right? I, I, I need something else to be satisfied. By the way, you can covet more than gold. Anything that God has not given you right now and you are coveting, you are, you are saying, well, listen, I can't be happy that I have that. Do you know what you're coveting? You're coveting more than God has given you. Right? <clears throat> that, that's coveting. If God hasn't given to you, he hasn't given it to you, that's, and listen, you know what? That's the best thing for you. Think about it. If it was best for you to have, would God have given it to you? Now, would he? Would, if, if it was the best thing for you to have, would God have given it to you? Yeah, of course he would. If he hasn't given it to you right now, it's not the best thing for you to have. Don't second guess him. Don't make your own mind up and think, listen, I know better than you. Because what happens is then we get covetous and we want more. Anthony, real quick. Well, no, that's the, the one exception in the Bible. You can't be content because your wife's giving you a hard time. <laughs> no, listen, Anthony, that's hard. That's difficult. But, <clears throat> and you know, somebody else's wrong is, is part of it. But the thing for you is, God says, I want you to be content in me. Am I enough, Anthony? If I'm enough, then I'm enough, even if your wife is estranged from you. So you can be contented in God. It doesn't mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that what somebody else is doing is right. It's not condoning what somebody else is doing. What it's saying is, even though they might be doing wrong, I can be contented in God. Back to the lesson of Joseph, right? His brothers two in the prison. Was Joseph supposed to be there in the place where, listen, he was completely destroyed, wrecked, and, you know, his life could never be right. He was in prison. He was a slave. He was, uh, he was in a pit. He was a slave. He was in prison again. He could never be happy because, you know, there's just no way he could be happy with all that because people had done him wrong. You know, when Joseph says, <clears throat> the Lord meant it to me for good, what he's saying is, look, I know you guys were out for my bad. That, that's, that, that's your wrong, guys. But you know what? God was doing me good. So even though somebody else is doing you wrong, you can be contented in God because God is doing you good. You know, um, it's a good question because we need to get down to the nitty-gritty of it because life can be hard. And you see, contentment is not for when things, you know, know, okay, so we recognize we don't have to have everything going our way for us to be contented. But we do often feel, well, I, I, I have to have things kind of sort of going halfway my way for me to be contented. But if things are going down here, and, you know, my life is hard and tough and difficult, there's no way I could be contented then. But what you've got to understand is your contentment is completely removed from the circumstances of your life. It's in God. Your contentment is in God, and it's, it's, it's separate from the circumstances of your life. So that whether you're abounding or whether you're being abased, you'll learn to be contented. And you say, that's tough stuff, Pastor. Yeah, it's tough stuff. But you know what? 
It's the way to have a quiet soul. It's the way to have the headspace that you want because God's in charge. You see, you can go out there to your self-help classes and you can go out there to your psychologist and your psychiatrist and they will soup you up and hype you up. But you know what? It'll be based on circumstances. And if the circumstances fall apart, they haven't really got anything to say to you. But what God is saying to you is, I have something that's above your circumstances completely. Something that can, you, can draw con- you can be contented in regardless of the circumstances. And you see, <clears throat> what we keep getting faced with in the Bible is, we keep getting faced with the reality of Christianity being supernatural. Now, supernatural means it's above and beyond natural. It's impossible, if you like. It's miraculous, if you like. But it's different. It's not just the norm. You're, you're, you're talking about living on a supernatural level. And you're saying, ah, yeah, but that's okay for you know, people who are really kind of you know, <clears throat> 100% into it and they're kind of nothing else in their lives except God. No, that's Christianity. You know, Paul wasn't saying, well, I'm a super Christian and you know, most of you will never be able to get to where I am, but you know, <clears throat> I'm just telling you these stories you know, to kind of uh, show you that it works for some people. He, he wasn't doing that. What he was saying to them was, hey, hey, this is it. This is where we're going. This is reality. Enjoy. Get on board and enjoy. This is real. You know, <clears throat> and it, it, it didn't matter who it was. He's saying, this is real. And, and it's real for all of us. <clears throat> all right, um, back to our sheet here, right? <clears throat> the enemy of con- contentment, Hebrews 13, verse 5, is covetousness. Co- covetousness, who God is does not satisfy me. What he has supplied does not satisfy me. I must have something more. Everybody in this room is guilty of that thought, at least, at some point in their lives. <clears throat> who God is does not satisfy me. What he has supplied does not satisfy me. I must have something more. Now, what you've got there, covetousness, gives you a God who's not God. Because, you see in in, in Hebrews 13, verse 5, what's God's promise in 13, verse 5? Don't be covetous. Be content. Why? Look at the verse. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Why? Why should I not be covetous and be content? Because I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay, so, God, you're going to be with me, and um, you're going to be hanging around when I'm going through it. But what good is that to me? Well, what good is that to you? What good is having God when you have no money? What good? What's God saying to you there? Okay, let's go back to the Old Testament, right? Moses, who will I send? Who will I tell say sent me? Just tell them I am. I am? I am what? Just you wait and see what I am. And God went with them, and God just took this canvas and painted this picture of his glory and his might and his power that's still spoken of today. Ten plagues and then uh, the, the Red Sea, 
my goodness, I am is right. He could do absolutely anything. So when God says to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he's not just saying, I'm going to be hanging around, out with you. He's saying, I am there. Everything you need, I will supply. You will not lack, trust me. I will take care of you. Trust me. Everything you need is going to be, it's going to be fine. Everything is going to be fine. I'm going to take care of you. You know, so what are the problems that we get into? Well, we coveted, didn't we? And we bought stuff we never intended for us to buy. And the bills for the credit card keep coming in. And they, they, you know, the, the bank doesn't respond very well to the fact that God is enough. Right? No, so, so, so what happened there? Well, you got yourself in trouble. Now, hang on a minute. Is God enough for you getting yourself in trouble? If he's not, we're really in trouble, aren't we? Right. Now, does that mean that God's going to come and God's going to say, okay, look, I mean, here, how much is the credit card bill? Hey, let, me, let, me, let me write you a check for that. I mean, here, that. That's terrible. They're looking for money off you, are they? You know, just just go, 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 go and give that to them. Right? <clears throat> does God do that? No, why wouldn't God do that? <laughs> well, he wouldn't give it to me. That's, that's maybe true too. No, listen. Yeah, you need to learn, don't you? You know, what does debt tell us? What does, what does, what does debt tell us? Now, look, folks, this is hard because we probably, probably a lot of people have debt in this room, right? But what does debt tell us? Why, why do we go in debt? <laughs> don't, be, don't, be, don't be so straight about it, right? <laughs> but is it not true that God hadn't supplied and we said, well, he must have been late in the payment this month, so we're going to help him out? Isn't that, isn't that true? Now, at its basic, I don't mean, think you say, oh, you say, hang on a minute, it's not as simple as that, you know? Now, Here's, here's the thing. <clears throat> Hudson, Taylor. Hudson Taylor. By the way, there's a two-volume set of Hudson Taylor that is well worth your while reading. It's a lot of words, fascinating reading, and it's well worth your while reading. Right? <clears throat> but Hudson Taylor uh, came to this persuasion. Right? And um, <clears throat> it works. I know it works because I've tried it. Unfortunately, I haven't always stayed with it. Right? Uh, <clears throat> but here's the deal. He's, he decided, God is able to supply what I need. So if God doesn't supply what I need, then he didn't mean to supply what I need, and I don't need it. I will wait on God. So here we have Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor, Hudson Taylor is getting married next Friday. Now this is a story from, from his book. Friday week, Hudson Taylor is getting married. Right? Now, and a wedding in China probably wasn't the big deal it is over here. But he had no money. Now, he didn't mean he had, you know, only a few hundred euros. He had no money. So he's getting married to this girl, and, <clears throat> you know, they're all looking forward to the wedding, and he's supposed to put on the, 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 the wedding meal, and it is a big deal for the Chinese people that he put on a wedding meal, and he has to go to her a week before the wedding and say to her, I have no money, honey. I just want you to understand this, that this is the life you're getting yourself into. I haven't got money for uh, the wedding. Now, now Ladies, what would you feel like saying to him? <laughs> I mean, isn't that what you'd feel like saying to him? 
but, but here's what he was explaining to her. He was saying, God hasn't provided. But he knew God, and he said, but he will provide. And he did provide during that week. But here's the deal. He wasn't under any pressure because it was God's job to provide, and he wasn't doing anything until God provided. And here's what happens to us. We're under pressure. We've got deadlines. We've got people making demands on us. We've got expectations and all the rest of it. So when we haven't got it, we borrow it. And my experience is this. I lived for four and a half years of my life with the smallest income I can imagine living on. <clears throat> you know, we lived <clears throat> really hand-to-mouth. For four and a half years, there was, there, was no, very, there was enough money coming in, but I mean, it didn't look like enough looking up the hill. But it worked. And... Because we were living in America and we were foreign nationals, we were not allowed to borrow any money. Nobody would lend us money because, you know, you were aliens. That's what they call it. You, 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 uh, we were, so there's no way you could borrow money. So that, that was just not a, not a possibility at all. So, so here's what we did with almost no income, right? <clears throat> we paid for my college bill, right? Uh, Val did some college. The kids went to Christian school. We paid the rent on a house. We paid for all our food. We ran a car, and we tithed, and we ended up with no debt. Absolutely no debt. <laughs> Listen, I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how. God brought it in. It came in. It just came in. Because you know what? Really, we had no option but to depend upon it. And because we had no option but to depend upon him, he was there. Listen, he made it scary from time to time, but he was always there and he met it. But you know what? <clears throat> That's not the normal life. The normal life is we have all have kinds of avenues of credit. We have people that will loan us money and banks that will loan us money, and we have plastic in our pocket that doesn't have to be paid today, uh, some other day. It has to be paid. And what we do is we use that stuff. And here's my experience. My experience is if I depend upon God and wait on God, God always supplies what I need. Never fails. But if I borrow it, God says, well, you borrowed it, you pay it. That's always been the way of it. And I've had to, I've had to end up paying it back and working it through. And it's usually been hard paying it back. But whenever I wait on God, God supplies what I need. God takes care of what I need. And is he enough now financially for you? Well, is he? If you wait on him, he is. And if you don't wait on him, he's not. That's what you're saying. Anthony. Well... <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're, we're not talking about money and finance right now, but, but let, me, let me say this to you, right? Buying a house, if you can actually afford to make the repayments, uh, is purchasing something that's, you know, a positive asset. You're actually making money out of it. Somebody said it's a forced savings plan. So it's the one thing that you could make, you could make an exception for. Now, right, that, that's, that's thrown it out there. Now, that's what I would believe. You know, when it comes to buying a house, taking a mortgage out is, is reasonable. 
Uh, right? Um, let me throw out another thought for you, though. Anybody here from Nigeria? Nobody here from Nigeria tonight. In Nigeria, uh, houses cost about 30000 Now, you say, well, why do they cost about 30000 Nobody gets a mortgage. You buy a piece of ground, you buy the blocks as you can have the money, and you build your house. You know, <clears throat> and that's, that's, that's the way houses happen uh, in Nigeria. Because we have mortgages, we have hugely escalating prices for houses. Right? <clears throat> so that's a separate point. But yes, I would take out a mortgage for a house to answer that. But, but here's the thing. Generally speaking, right? we're talking about our living expenses and our ongoing stuff and so on. Listen, if God wants you to do it, isn't he able to provide for it? Then why borrow? And the next question is, how many times do we need to learn that lesson? How many times do we have to learn the lesson over and over and over again? Why borrow for it? God's able to provide for it. God's able to take care of your need. Then wait for him to take care of your need. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, the root of covetousness is unbelief. A, the opposite of unbelieving discontent is the gratefulness of a heart full of joy and peace because of what it believes when it is true about God. Because of what it believes what is true about God. Believing what God said about himself is the root of contentment. Now the God of hope fill you, all with, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. If God is the biggest thing in your life, you don't need anything else, nor do you want it. He is more than enough. Now you see, here's the, here's the, here's the answer. And, you know, I'm not expecting everybody to say, oh, got it, get it, that's it, it's sorted in my life. You know, we're lear- I know more about this this year than I did last year, a lot more. I, I, this, is, this, is, this is a lot truer for me this year than it was last year. You know, um, you, you're going to grow in this, you're going to learn, but, but understand, it is truth. You're learning, you're growing it. Contentment is key to a happy, successful life. The world conspires to rob you of contentment and to replace it with covetousness because that's what the world runs on. If, if, if we could suck all the covetousness out of society today, the, the world economy would, would fail because it's built on we're going to make you want more. Right? But personally, in your life, if you can come to the place where you're contented in God, God is able to supply all you need. And my experience is much more than you need. He's able to supply, but, he, but the key thought is I'm trusting in him. I'm depending upon him to do it, to take care of me. I don't need something he hasn't given me. I don't need it. I don't need it right now. I might think I do. I might feel I do, but I don't. I don't need it. If, if, if I needed it, he would have given it to me. Therefore, the fact that he hasn't given it to me means I don't need it. Now, when I get off my I need to have it, right? <clears throat> you ever see the kids in the shops, right? And they see some toy, and they need to have the toy. Now, it's, this is not something they would like to have for Christmas. They need to have it, and they need to have it now. What happens to them? They crumple inside, don't they? They're miserable. 
they're absolutely destroyed because they need to have it. Now, do they need to have the toy? No. What's killing them? Feeling, I need to have the toy. Covetousness is what's killing them. By the way, don't give in to them and feed their covetousness. You'll be, you'll be tempted to do that for peace. Okay, but you're not getting to the root of the problem, covetousness there. They need to know, no, you don't need it. You will survive without it. If you need it, God will provide it for you, but you don't need it. That's what they need to know. You see, what happens is there's an emotional tie to the things we covet. I have to have it. I can't be happy without it. I mean, my life's just miserable without it. And, and that's, that's why, and what we've got to do is we've got to break that tie. No, I don't need it. Now, now, speaking that truth to yourself is powerful. I don't need it. And it's not just things. Things, things kind of can be the easy stuff. You know what I mean? Things can be the easy stuff. What about relationships? Those are much harder, aren't they? I need someone to love me. I need someone to appreciate who I am. I mean, that's that's that, that. I mean, I tell you what, when that one gets into your heart and into your, that, can tear you apart. But you know what? If you needed it, God would have given it to you. If you needed it, God and God is enough. And you see, <clears throat> what happens in relationships is we get to the place where we need something. And we see the other person as the vendor of the something we need. And we want them to give it to us. And they may not be able to give it to us. So what happens is, we're at loggerheads. We start demanding. And when you start demanding, you know what? Relationships just evaporate. But the other answer is, God is enough. God is enough. If nobody ever loves me, God's enough. Nobody nobody ever respects me, God is enough. Nobody ever understands me, God is enough. God's able to bring all those things into your life, but the key to it is he is enough. God is enough. And when God is enough, you can go into a relationship and you can give. You've got something to give because God's enough. But when you need to have something somebody else is withholding from you, you can't give anything. You're a victim again. God is enough. You see, God is enough for you right now. He has given you everything you need to be contented today. And if you're waiting on something else and then you'll be contented, you're kidding yourself. doesn't work that way. If you can't be contented with what he's given you today, you can't be contented. But God is enough. He has given you what you need. And if you will just say, tell yourself, listen, I don't need it. God's enough. He's going to take care of me. 
He'll provide exactly what I need right now and in the future, and I'm going to be fine because he's going to take care of me. You know what? You get set free. You get set free. Jim Burke says this. He says, liberty is not coveting. Freedom is not coveting. I'm free when I'm not coveting, when I'm not waiting, when I'm not hankering after something. Now, don't get me wrong. There may be things you're saying, Lord, I would like. But that's a whole different thing to, Lord, I have to have. And if you don't give it to me, I'll find some way of getting it. You know, you're, you're perfectly at liberty to bring your needs, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. But understand this. You don't need it. Just like that child who has seen that dolly and has to have that dolly, our life is going to end. Life does not end. They forget. They move on. And the thing is, if God hasn't given it to you, you don't need it. You see, God is more than enough. That's real. That's where we're going. That's If we had that truth settled in our hearts, and that's what we're working at going through this, if we have that truth settled in our hearts, we have a quiet soul. And when you have a quiet soul, you know what? You're able to be effective in life. When you're hankering after this, and you're hankering after that, and I want, and I want, and I want, and I want, and I need. Listen, you're going to have no peace, no joy, no contentment, and no quiet soul. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us. Lord, would you help us now? Lord, would you work in our hearts and in our lives and help us, Lord, to walk with you? And, oh, Lord, may we grasp this truth, Lord. And, Lord, may we find that you are indeed enough and that you're more than enough. And that, Lord, as you walk with us and hold our hands, everything that we need is supplied. Lord, it's true. You are our shepherd and we shall not want. May we follow you. May we relax and rest in the fact that you are enough and we have enough. In Jesus' name.